0: So let me pray. Lord God, as we look at the song of Moses and Miriam today, I pray, God, that you would strengthen our sense of worship and the value of song and even dance. I pray, God, that these words that I speak and the the words that we read out of your scripture would Um, affect our hearts and minds and pull us into new expressions of beauty and of worship to you uh, as individuals, as families, as house churches, and God, as as a church corporately. We pray, God, that uh, this would be done for a greater experience of your love in us um, and that honor and glory would be given to your name because of it. your son's precious name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at the, uh, the song of Moses and Miriam today. Last week we looked at the event of Passover and how they came together to celebrate and commemorate Passover uh, in order that they would remember what God had done in that great deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And after they were rescued from Egypt by God, um, they wrote a song and they had a big party and they danced. And I want to look at that song today and address the importance of song and even a little bit of dance um, as we uh, as we think about our gathering. Um, some of the things that we talked about last week, we're going to talk about as a as a family and as a house church, and 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 as a as an elder team to think about things that we could enhance in terms of our gathering. And I think this one is a uh, a particularly important. Um, message and idea for us today so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 15 verses 1 through 21 and I'm just going to read through the whole song Um, it's a poem it's also a song as we'll see in the text and uh, then we'll go from there then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying so again this is right after God had destroyed Pharaoh's army uh, in the Red Sea I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fell upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. So the song, some people call it the Song of Moses, some people call it the Song of Miriam. It seems like in the event that occurred, um, they, they went through the dry ground, they came up on the other side of the Red Sea, Pharaoh's armies followed, the Red Sea poured in after them, drowning Pharaoh's entire army, the largest army in the world. And it seems like what happened is that Miriam Kind of just started dancing, started singing, pulled out some instruments, and then gathered a group of of women to to go around and dance and sing and sing god 's praises for this great work of deliverance and Then it seemed like what maybe happened is that um, they they wrote a song, a longer song about it that then Moses and the entire congregation of of Israel uh, ended up singing and put it into their into their scripture. Now the song has three parts and we're not going to get into very many of the technicalities of the song or in its details. It basically has three parts. The first one is that there the first six verses is that there is a there's a declaration. There's a declaration of personal worship for God's deliverance. The second part is that there is a detailed description of what God did, so there is a personal expression of worship, there's a, kind of a retelling of the story in detail, and then there is a, a preview of God's future deliverance of Israel uh, long into the future, and it's kind of a, a set, it sets the context of the deliverance in, in who they are as the people of God. And so we're going to just look at some of these big ideas. First of all, we're going to look at song as power. We're going to look at worship as an individual and worship as a community. Song is power, and then worship as an individual and as a community. First one, song is power. And this is really the bulk of the message. Verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. Now, if you read a number of translations... They're going to translate that word song differently. Some will say, The Lord is my strength and my power. And so there's this word for song that also can mean power. And it's, it's, it's great to see the, the, the differences in the translations because normally, if we're just going to read it and say, The Lord is my strength and my power, Yeah, that's, you know, one of those typical kind of statements that the Scriptures make that we kind of easily brush by without thinking about it. But when we see the Lord is my strength and my song, and that this idea of song has within it a sense of power, it begins to catch or to reflect some some, uh, ideas and nuances that I think that we all experience on a regular basis. Uh, but fail to integrate into into how we think about our our strength as God's people. God has become their salvation from their enemies, from the anxiety and fear that they were experiencing in Egypt, from the anxiety and fear as they looked upon uh, the, the desert and saw Pharaoh's armies coming. And obviously, God delivered them from death. They felt like Pharaoh was going to kill them, and he certainly would have. But the bigger idea that I want to hit at here is, how do we turn for song, or what is our experience of music as power? Well, I, I just thought through some personal snapshots, and I know all of you could do this. If I just ask you the question, where do you use music, or where do you use song for power, for energy? And it isn't necessarily always song to make you do great things. Sometimes songs break down hardness that enables you to do some things that really require vulnerability. When I was 12 or 13 years old, so these are just some snapshots of how I have used song and music for power. So when I was 12 or 13 years old, um, I made friends And started listening to music uh, in order to overcome loneliness. There was some identity that we could form as friends around music. So I started to listen to the music that they listened to. So it helped kind of bridge this gap in regard to loneliness and gave me power. When I was an angry young man of 16 or 17... I turned to heavy metal music as a way of expressing my frustration and my anger, and so it gave me some power to think through and deal with my anger. We have to have some ability to express our feelings and our emotions. When I'm running on the treadmill, so I I typically, well I haven't done it for a while because it's so unmotivating. Uh, There's this church history podcast I listen to, which is just, uh, it's great, and uh, you know, trying to redeem some of that time, Um, but I tell you, about 10 or 15 minutes into it, the church history podcast just isn't, it's just not doing the job in terms of energy and motivation, so I switch to Metallica, it doesn't matter, I just hit shuffle, and I'm good for the rest of the jog. So it has an ability and you guys can all think of similar type of situations. Music has an ability to uh, e- even do something to us physically in giving us more energy to engage and press forward in the things that are challenging us. A number of years ago, some of you are familiar with the song um, A New Law by Derek Webb. It came out on his Mockingbird album. Um, the first time I listened to that song, I just, I just had to stop and sit back, and I wept. There, he, in that song, expresses what it means uh, to live by the Spirit and to live by love and not by law in, in one of the most beautiful ways that, that I had ever experienced, and it was just glorious. And oftentimes, again, like, like, like heavy metal music gave me an ability to express uh, and put words to anger. And what a, a really a lot of insecurity and powerlessness. Um, it, words give us the the ability when we when we are feeling something. Songs give us the ability when we're when we're feeling something, or have a thought or an idea about something, and then we hear a song and we hear some lyrics that just express um, exactly what we're feeling, but that we don't have necessarily maybe the talent to put into music or into poems or lyrics, and thank God he has blessed humanity and he has blessed the church with people that have that talent. And it is very important that we recognize um, this aspect of our lives, the gift of song the gift of worship the gift of poems and lyric so what should we expect what should we expect from song i think that music and song provides an experience for greater fullness whether we are, if we're sad, um, sometimes music and song and poetry and good literature, I'd like to kind of throw all those together, um, help us experience sadness in maybe a, a more full or complete way um, and maybe a ways that help us process through our sadness. Um, on the other hand, we have Music that enables us to uh, experience joy and gladness beyond what we could have, and realize if we didn't have it, um, it draws us into w- song. Draws us into um, emotional fullness. It really does, and and without it, uh, we would be amiss, and we would be greatly lacking. It draws us, it draws us into into beauty. It draws us into beauty, and that is that is the gift of the arts. I mean, if could you imagine? And yeah, we probably could, and I certainly could imagine it. And some of you have probably been to worship services like this. Um, Imagine if if we had no worship and we just all came together to listen to somebody preach for ninety minutes. It wouldn't be beautiful, or at least as beautiful. Um, you, we wouldn't have the patience, obviously, to sit through something that long. And it just, it's, the, the, the spoken word helps us think through and renew our minds and to understand truth and to understand deception and lies. Music has that ability too, but, but music just has an ability to bring us into an emotional fullness and an experience of beauty that my spoken words are never going to be able to produce. It's not going to do it. Again, it draws us into strength and energy. It gives us courage and boldness. It breaks down barriers. Um, I remember, and this wasn't, again, I'm kind of, I'm looking at song. I'm looking at uh, poetry. I'm looking at music. But the arts in general, I remember this one time. Anna and I, early on in our marriage, we went uh, to a really beautiful movie. And you've had this experience. I've had this experience with songs, with plays, with musicals. Uh, and I can't remember what it was, but we, before we went to the movie, we were just kind of at odds with each other. Uh, and, and the movie was just so beautifully crafted. Um, and, and its message, it just kind of melted our hearts, and we just kind of came to a point where, where we were reconciled with each other. Uh, music, the arts, worship has these qualities to it. It, it, it can make us vulnerable. It can make us vulnerable. Um, it draws us into communion with each with each other, um, in expression. So notice here at the end of, at the end of the, the passage, it said that Miriam picked up her tambourine, gathered um, a, and gathered a group of women, and they went around the entire congregation, uh, singing this song, and it drew the entire congregation together. Okay. I would imagine all of you here have been to a concert right, of some type, okay? Whether it's whether it's at the U.S. Bank Stadium and it's with forty thousand other people, or maybe it's something at Orchestra Hall. It could be classical. It could be crazy. Who knows? Something at First Ave. You notice everybody there is singing together. There, are a large portion of them, at least the ones on the floor. They're probably dancing together. There's actually some of them that are even in rhythm together. You don't even know these people, right? But but music and song uh, has an ability to create this. Hey, we are together in our experience of this beautiful thing. Of this beautiful thing, it brings us into communion with each other. See, and, and as humans. Made in God's image, this is the way he has created us. The first spoken words in the Bible, which is what we looked at uh, two Sundays ago, uh, was a song expressed from Adam because of the beauty of God's creation of woman. And I think that as humans, songs will reflect our deepest expressions and experiences. And And to back away from... To back away from God, right? we've got to have the, the fullness of our ability is, as, uh, for us as humans to experience what, everything that God created us for. We have to have God. We have to have the Spirit. We have to have each other. The fullness of Christ in us is something that we experience together as a, as a community. Um, and there is, there is power that comes uh, with us as a community of God's people that share the spirit, that share a community experience. Uh, John Piper had this uh, quote, a couple of quotes. I just, I, I was sent a, 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 a podcast this week on, on this very issue. Um, and it was from John Piper. He said, singing is not merely a response to grace. Singing is a means of grace. Singing is power. And there is power when the people of God sing. And that power is something that that we can only experience when we come together as God's people that know God. So we have to have God to to have this experience, and we have to have song, and to back away from song is to back away from our humanity. I think that, that song, clearly we see, even up, Through just early in Scripture, we see that that song is to be a part of our human experience. I tell tell my kids one of my major regrets, and I don't have many major regrets, but one of them is that I didn't learn music. There were stints along the way. You know, Mom forced us to learn the guitar or learn the piano, and in sixth grade, I learned the violin and that was my last attempt at anything in regard to, losing, to learning music. Now, in high school I joined the choir and singing has been a part of, of my life and our lives as a family, but I can't read music. I can't compose music. I've written one song and actually put some, some sounds to it. Uh, I don't do it very often. I don't think we have to have a lot of musical ability to, to write song. Uh, Jake has written a song that we've played, and—sorry, <laughs> Jake—and um, he'll say, I don't have a lot of music ability, but I had something inside me that I wanted to express through song. Could some of you, with gifts of song, come together and help me put some music to it? It's a huge regret, and I feel like there is something missing and partial in me, uh, when I see truly talented artists expressing things in ways that I cannot, I'm like, oh, they are putting, they are putting that exactly how I feel. I, would, I wish I could do that. Now, that, that, I think that's good in that it creates some dependency upon us to be a part of the body and to have relationships and to experience things through other people. That's what draws us closer together. But, but I think that I, I would really like to learn how to read music, and to play an instrument. Before we moved up here, I started to learn the cello uh, for about three months, and then we decided to move a year earlier, and I put it all aside. Um, my daughter Alicia is looking at it now, and I'm just contemplating the idea of maybe joining her. I don't know. But I think, I think it would be good for all of us to consider... Um, the role of song in our in our life with God, our walk in the Lord. I think all of us probably have you know on our on our phones, or our devices, a whole slew of music from a lot of different genres, a lot of different artists. Um, but I wonder, I wonder, how much of how many of us um, have music and song as a significant part of our expression of our gratitude and thanks to God. I I wonder that. I I think it's something that that we should think about. Second, worship as an individual. One of the great, I mean, so there's like over two million people, they're out on this desert, they've just been saved by God, the world's largest army has been destroyed. Um, A huge experience that they shared together as a nation But the first six verses are all expressing worship and praise as as an individual. He says, God is my power, my strength, and my song. God is my deliverance and my salvation. This is my God and the God of my fathers. I extol him. This can only happen. So it's, it's, it's Moses, it's Miriam. They're leading this congregation, but they are all collectively expressing their individual experience of God's deliverance, which can only happen if you've experienced God's deliverance and have experienced his power. And so if you have, if you, if you, if you, at, at some point, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and consider yourself a child of God, at some point you had an experience where he delivered you from your sin, where you came to the point of, of faith that his blood on the cross shed was for you. Yes, it was for millions of other people, but it, it was for you. You rejected and rebelled against God in your life, and you came to a point where you, needed, where you recognized you needed to serve him. You recognized that you needed his blood to cover the guilt and the shame of your sin and to, to bring forgiveness. Okay, that's a story of deliverance. Have you put that to some song? What else has he saved you from? Because that's just the first moment. And then, the, then our life in Christ is just a, as Paul says, it's from faith to faith. And he continues to deliver, continues to cleanse. The gospel still is the message of God's salvation. So throughout our lives, we, should ha- we have all of these opportunities to put some experiences into song as individuals and as families, as house churches, as a collective church? Where have we seen his power? Have you cried out for him to save you? And when he has saved you, how have you expressed gratitude in that? The only song that I wrote, this is about 11 years ago, I was reading through the Psalms and just crying out for God for some very, very particular uh, ways that I felt I needed deliverance. My family needed deliverance. For months, we cried out. For direction. For healing. Months. And we experienced it. And so that, that song, it's, it, the words... Uh, The words are Psalm 4, okay? I actually didn't write the lyrics. I just came up with a tune, which is even more incredible because lyrics and words are more my forte. Um, But that song has, and Psalm 4 uh, is very deep and um, memorable uh, experience. Whenever I read Psalm 4 or hear or sing that song, I have a deeper experience of feeling and a a sense of of thankfulness to God because uh, it takes me back to that moment of deliverance and those months of crying out and prayer. Again, I'm not not trying to encourage us all as a church to all of a sudden become uh, poets and songwriters. My guess is a lot of us could be, and even if we don't have any talent in it, um, putting into some words some thoughtful expression of our experience of God's deliverance in our lives wouldn't be a bad thing to do. Because it's a call for reflection. One of the things that poetry does and songs do I mean we, we we come and you know we we get to know and we we hear some songs that we like, we'll listen to them time and time and time again. And we are singing them. We don't even need to have the 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 device on. We don't have to have the song playing anymore because it's in our it's in our mind, it's in our hearts. These things breed reflection over these ideas. And it's powerful. It's powerful. And we will spend, we will spend a lot of money and a lot of time in the listening to music and in the going to concerts because it does energize us. Let's connect that power and that energy to our walk with the Lord and reflect on His deliverance and and, and try to start putting that to words. Or maybe asking somebody that is good at putting things to words, to put them into words with us, and we share that experience together, together. Worship as a community. At the beginning of the passage, it says, Moses and the people of Israel sang this song. So they sang of their individual deliverance and their experience of God's salvation, uh, but they did it, they did it together together. And they detailed God's work together. They told the story of God's work together. And again, it requires some reflection. They had to sit down and and think about this and gather themselves together and and bring themselves together in harmony as a congregation. And the story then, the, the song ends in a story about what God is going to do in the future. It starts to tell of God's deliverance for them as a people, which means that they had an understanding because of the promises that God gave them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel and 400 years of history, they knew what God was going to do to them. So they set their individual salvation into the context of God's larger eternal purposes. And we need to see our own salvation as that. Our own salvation brought us into the church family, and God's purposes are in and through the church family, not for you as individuals. But your salvation is important because you bring something to the body. And we collectively are experiencing God's deliverance and salvation as he works in us to carry out his purposes uh, in us and through us. And so we need to see that our individual walks in Christ and the work that he does in our lives are a part of what we, our, our collective experience. The final line where he says, the Lord will reign forever and ever. So, poems... Poems are used in the Bible to sum up and to, to, to sum up and to um, explain large blocks of narrative. So this poem in Exodus 15 is explaining Exodus 1 through 15. Genesis 49 is the, the major poem right before this one. It explains basically chapters 12 through 48 of Genesis. And the Bible continues in this way. It uses poetry and it uses song so that we as the people of God who are reading our Bibles, we run into these poems and we run into these songs and these songs give us an ability to remember and to summarize and to think through and to have the particular intent and highlight about what God has done in that section of text. And the major poems, this one included, The Lord will reign forever and ever is how it ends. It keeps us focused on one thing. All these major poems throughout the scriptures. And it carries into the New Testament. They keep us focused on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so in conclusion... We need to see the work of God as the work of a deliverer. We need to cry out for his deliverance. Like last week, we looked, at, we looked at the Exodus. Those people were crying out for years. Where do you need saved in your life, and are you crying out? Do you expect God to deliver you? And when, you deli- when he delivers you through Jesus Christ, what are you going to do? What do we need deliverance from? Actual oppressors. Some of us have people in our lives that are oppressing us. Wicked people, just like Israel and Egypt. Some of us have sins, all of us have sins, that we need to be freed from. We have disordered loves. Things that we love that draw us in, but they destroy us once we go down the track too far, and we need to be freed from them. Some of us need to be freed, all of us need to be freed from the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places that bring accusation against us and put us into places of shame and guilt and doubt and accusation because they're trying to minimize the gospel in our lives. And if they minimize the gospel in our lives, we're going to minimize our ability to worship and to praise and to sing of God's deliverance. And so we never get delivered. And then we never experience the power of that. Of that experience, and then the, the power of retelling it through song. And so, I guess what I wanna encourage us to do is to put increased reflection in, in God's deliverance in our lives. And in that reflection, let's think about how we can increasingly do it through the arts, in song. In worship, and maybe even in dance. I know that there have been like isolated pockets where house churches have gotten together. And they say, hey, let's go dance together. And they've had great times. Churches used to have dances, right? I mean, I've never been around. I haven't been around long enough. John, have you ever been a church where there was a dance? Yeah. Have any of you ever been a part of a church where there was like church-wide dancing? A few of you. In worship, wow! Did anybody have you, any of you ever gone to a church where they actually has, like, had a separate event? Say, hey, we're going to get together. We're all going to we're all going to dance. A few of you, okay? That might be some, It's it sounds super old. You know, you think of like church dances in the church halls and church basements. Um, but I wonder, you know, the, the, our, our world dances. Our world gets together in great expressions. <laughs> Of music that they enjoy, something that we need to do as a community again I'll, we, we are making changes to what we do collectively in this service, and I'm just we're using this as a time to help us think through uh, ways that we can can corporately and individually uh, increase in, increase the the um, experience that we have in our in our worship of God, our experience of his love, our experience of his fullness, our experience of, of his union with us and, our, and of our union together. So let me pray. Lord God, thank you, thank you for this song and thank you for the example that it sets. God, that we would experience deliverance from you, that we wouldn't get stuck in our ways and grow numb to death that we would cry out for deliverance from things that dishonor you and things that hurt others in our lives, that we could cry out for deliverance from oppressive people or situations, God, that we could see your victory, and in seeing your victory, God, that we would actually take the time to beautifully express what you've done in our lives. It's what we want, Lord God, that we could experience you more fully and give honor and glory and praise to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.